Pastor Jesse, I, I'm just really humbled by that. A mentor, that's a big word. <laughs> it's a really big word, and I'm just so grateful to be a part of this body. I don't know if you guys are as thrilled as, uh, uh, for what God is doing amongst us and how alive we're feeling and how challenged we are by his word and by worship and prayer, and but also by the courage of, uh, of our pastor, uh, that he has been a man of courage in the last uh, few years, uh, but escalating in terms of saying, God, I want to obey you more than I want to please man. And there's something that comes with that type of surrender in leadership, when, when you want to obey God more than you want to please man. Because God, God's hand comes upon you mightily. It's undeniable. Uh, the critics and the, 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 the naysayers and the roadblockers will do whatever they can. But the Bible says that God's plan will prevail. And we're seeing God's plan prevail amongst us. We're seeing our hearts being lightened up with the passion to be in service. I was in worship. I was, um, had this weird vision. And I thought, I saw an extension cord just lying there in the middle of the room. And I said, wow, an extension cord. Very useful, but useful or useless if it's not plugged in. And I got to be thinking about how the God of the universe, the light of the world, has lit up the universe on our behalf. And that really, apart from him, we just useless extension cords lying on the planet floor. That unless we choose to take the extension cord of our lives and plug it into the light source, which is Jesus, we can never fully live and come alive to what we were designed to do. That extension cord was designed to be a conduit of power, but it's useless on the floor if it's not plugged in. So this morning, as we go into uh, this uh, topic that I'm going to be speaking to you about, about the fire that qualifies, my hope is that you begin to position yourself like that. That you say, God, I'm just not going to be on the fringes of my faith. I'm not going to be like, you know, have you ever seen a cord that's not plugged in fully? And the lights flicker and then it threatens to spark and threatens to burn. Well, that's what happens with us as believers when we kind of loosely connected to the light source, right? We kind of hit a sparks and fumes and then people run from us because they're afraid that we might explode at some point. It's true. She would climb into bed with me every morning when she was little and she'd say, Mom, I love you. Put flowers on, on every field in all of the lands. And I would say, and Shannon, I love you more than the sands on all the beaches of all of the plains of all of the lands. So for my birthday this year, she had this wrapped up in a box and she wrote me a little note and said, Mom, I love you more than the leaves of all of the trees on all of lands. <laughs> so, so that was really special. How about we stand for a quick minute? I'm going to pray and then I'm going to start. Now, if you're here with a significant other, your family, you want to grab their hand, there's power and agreement. We want to believe that God is able to break through. The Bible says uh, one can put a thousand to flight, two ten thousand. When two or three agree on anything on earth, as it, it shall be down on earth as it is in heaven, there's real power when we come into agreement. That's why when we're not in agreement in our families, we feel weak and vulnerable and exposed. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to uh, encourage you to just come into agreement like this. 
Father God, this morning we come to you. We are people hungry to know you. We're people hungry to hear your voice. We know that without your nourishment and instruction, we are nothing. We're just that useless extension cord on the platform of life. But Father, today we choose to take our lives, to take our will and plug in by faith into all of the goodness and all of the power and all of the transformation you have for us as a people. Father God, we, we know, Lord, that of the increase of the kingdom of God, there is no end. Your word tells us that the government will be on your shoulder. We choose to break agreement with every religious mindset and religious order in our lives so that we plug into the kingdom because that's where the power is. There is no lack in the kingdom. The, your word says you're a counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. You are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can imagine. And so we want to be a part of that, Father. We want to be partnering with you for your divine purposes. Come bless us, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to receive, and a will to obey your instruction in Jesus' name. Amen. All righty. I'm not always good at multitasking. Generally, I am, but when I'm speaking, I tend to forget how to click and move. But I was thinking about this this morning. God holds on to us by his grace, but we all hold on to him by our faith, right? W God holds on to his, his grace, just never lets go of us. Doesn't matter how we screw up, how we messed up. The Bible says while we were yet in our trespasses and sin, he died for us. We were, we were dead in our sin. We were mired in our own corruption, and he died for us anyway. So he didn't die for perfection. He died for us. So he holds on to us by his grace. We hold on to him by our faith. But this is a powerful statement here, and it's going to probably resonate with you for a long time. Grace is a force which is God's caring and rescuing exertion on your life. Wow. You know, it's w when I think about the resurrection of Jesus, I see it as the force of grace entering that tomb raising him up in love and then saying now that that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. Tell your neighbor he lives in you. The same force of grace now lives in you. If you allow this a revelation to come in you, it should make every part of you come to attention. Every cell in your body should come to alive. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives and dwells in you, quickening your mortal body and causing you to do things that you cannot do on your own. So when Christians tell me, I don't know, I can't do that, I can't stand up, I can't speak, I can't bake a cake, I'm thinking, dude, who is living in you? Who is quickening you? So this morning, the Bible, Pastor Jesse did such a fabulous job these last two weeks talking about us taking a hold of God's grace through his word, bringing every thought captive, regulating this anxiety in our lives where we actually uh, we become anxious because we don't really believe. And it's the fear that God is actually going to meet us there that causes us to be anxious. Luke tells us that men's hearts will fail them in the last day because of fear. We're seeing that everywhere, even in the church. Anxiety and depression 
So that tells me that somewhere between God's instruction to us and our receiving of what is true, there is a blockage in how we're receiving the grace of God and how we're showing up in the world. Because as Christians, we should never be the ones whose hearts are failing us. Think about it. The Bible says, in this world, you will have tribulation. But I have delivered you out of them all. Many are the afflictions of the righteous man. That means we're not, we're not exempt from adversity. Many are the afflictions of a righteous man. But God will deliver us out of them all. So here's the power of God coming to us this morning, really causing us to become cognizant of how we want to live our lives. Do we want to live our lives like this extension cord and the platform of our lives with, you know, the police tape all around us saying, leave me alone, this is a crime scene? Basically, because that's what you do when you self-deprecate and you beat yourself up. And you hold yourself accountable to your sin and your fault, finding your, your own lack and limitations. Like, don't come near me. I stink. I'm bad. No, no. I, I want you. This is the power of my calling, is to help you to connect spiritual things to natural living so that you can be successful in how you live your life. All right. So... Again, I was laughing because I've got like 13 PowerPoints, but we'll see what we'll get through. <laughs> uh, the mor this morning, I wanted to speak to you about the fire that qualifies. And now there's, there's three types of fire, actually four types of fire in the Bible. And we know the one about the book of Acts, and he says, And you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. There were cloven tongues of fire on them as they waited for God to show up. And, and the Holy Spirit to show up. This is after Jesus died and was resurrection, resurrected. We all want that power, right? Yeah. Woo! Amen. We're going to get the Holy Ghost fire. Then there's the purifying fire in Malachi that talks about the launderous soap and the refining fire. That means that there is a cleansing and a purifying that we have to go through as believers. Because we cannot ascend the hill of the Lord unless we have clean hands and a pure heart. Right? And we all want that. We cry in our seats and we say, God, come and make us better and wash us and purify us and purge us. And, and we all want that. And then there's the directional fire, the wilderness navigation system, where it's, we talked about how the cloud led them by day and there was a fire by night which told them how to camp and hold still while he gave light to them. The last one I want to speak to us this morning about is the qualifying fire out of Daniel. And so, how many of you know the story of Daniel? Okay, for those of us who don't, I'm going to bring us all onto the same page here very quickly. So Daniel, um, the, the other, the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're all in Babylon. They're captives in Babylon. And in Babylon, the Hebrew boys are living their faith out with such zealousness and conscientiousness that they were already being put into places of influence. They had already caught the leadership of the nation's eye and they were leading effectively and efficiently and they were being influential in their service. So here again, this is a picture of us. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. And I think the church of Jesus Christ has escaped the world. We've run from the world, and we've, 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 we've 
developed these insulated country systems, country club systems where we come in and we do our thing and then we go out in the world and we do our little bus and then we come back to the church. But that we were never designed to be like that. We were designed to be the salt and the light in the world where, our, where we live so conscientiously, where we live with such conviction that our lives are so salty that it holds back the rot and the infection that comes in our communities. But if the church is ineffective in how she's showing up in everyday life in her workplace, and we're just creating a real salty zone right here, then what good are we for? Just die and go to heaven. Just do it now. Pray. Pray, come take me home now. But we're on the planet because we're supposed to be making a difference. And here's the Hebrew boys in Babylon, in captivity. Everybody say, in captivity. I don't care what your excuse is. They were in captivity. They weren't in Israel. They were captives in Babylon, shining and exalting the character of Jesus by how they served that nation. How is this region going to even know Jesus if all we do is our hit and runs? Yeah, I'm calling it as I see it. We do our hit and runs and we come back and we have our little club meeting on a Sunday and we go out again, do our hit and runs, come back and have a club meeting. We're supposed to permeate our societies and our communities and we're supposed to show up there in excellence and service to our mighty God that they will say, wow, all men will see your light shining. And glorify the Father in heaven. That's what the Bible says. Let your light so shine that all men see your good works and glorify the Father. So anyway, coming back to the story. Here's these guys. The king suddenly has a moment of self-absorption self because his advisors tell him, build this big image of yourself and let people come and worship you. How many of you have had moments of self-absorption? Nobody comes to visit me. <laughs> yeah. I didn't go to church for two weeks. Nobody called me. <laughs> they must not love me, and therefore God doesn't care for me. Church, I'm going to warn you about this. When you marry logic and emotion, you create a reality that's not a reality, and you begin to live from that. I didn't go to church, they didn't call me, they must not love me, God cares for everyone except me. That's the progression. I, I, don't shove me down when I'm preaching God. I, I know I'm speaking truth. All right, so be careful about that. Be careful about the self-absorption. We're living in a culture of selfishness and self-absorption. And if the church moves into that arena, we are going to be powerless. We're, gonna, we're not going to have salt enough to keep back the rot in our lives, and we're not going to be light enough to push back the darkness. All right, moving right along. So now these three wonderful human beings who have excelled, who are already influencing the nation, they get told on. How many of you have been told on? Yeah? Yeah, they get told on. Somebody goes to the king and says, you know what? They're not worshiping you like they should be. 
They're not bowing down. And, and the Hebrew boys were like, oh, king, we love you, we serve you. But our truth is that we shouldn't be bowing down to any idol. So as much as we love you and honor you in, the, in this physical world, we can't deny our own truth. And that is we cannot bow our soul to idol. So the king is so enraged that he says, make the fire seven times hotter. Everybody say seven times hotter. Seven times hotter. I was thinking about that this morning. I was thinking about, you know, you, you talk about putting the carrot in hot water. You talk about putting an egg in hot water. And you talk about putting coffee in hot water. So if you put a carrot in hot water, it's, gonna, it's come down and it's all floppy and it's mushy. You put an egg in hot water and it's solid and resistant and unrelenting. But if you put coffee in hot water, it diffuses its flavor into the water. I got to thinking about what type of Christian I'll, I'll, am I, first of all, with a lot of self-reflection. And what, a what type of Christian are you? Are you a, a carrot that's going to come out all mushy? And have you ever had overcooked carrots? Yeah. An egg that is so hard and you just unrelenting? Or you're going to be that coffee once you're in the hot water, you're going to begin to diffuse your fragrance. That's the so beautiful. Corinthians talks about that, that we diffuse the fragrance of the knowledge of God in every place. Hmm. I can just preach on that for a whole uh, for, for a whole session. But here we are now. The fire is seven times hotter. These are men that were doing everything right. Say, doing everything right. They were doing everything right, but they wouldn't bow and they were thrown. The Bible says that even the men throwing them into the fire was consumed. Like that's pretty nuts. The king is satisfied that he has now appeased his self-absorption. And he's sitting there watching the show, watching the burn. And when he looks, he says, didn't we throw three men in the fire? How come there's four men in the fire and they're walking around unbound? Here's it. It says, as for you, because of the covenant promise I made with you through your ancestor David, a covenant sealed in blood, I will free you from your prisoners. I will free your prisoners from the waterless pits of death and return you to the walled cities, safe and secure, O hostages of hope. I announce today that I will restore to you twice as much of what was taken. How do you reconcile this scripture where I just left off? Let me just tell you this. The Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Yeah? As the church of Jesus Christ is we entering this next season of our destiny in the kingdom, we are going to face hardship. I'm not going to come give you a sugar-coated gospel. The Bible says men's hearts are going to fail them because of what's happening. Daily in my work, I'm hearing of people dying of overdoses in our communities at an escalated rate. Guns being stolen. It's, I don't want to put fear in you, 
I'm just saying you've got to determine whether you're going to be the carrot, the egg, or the, the coffee when you go into the fire. That's all. That's all I'm saying to you. You've got to determine how you're going through go th to go through adversity. How many of you, to av avoid not running out of gas on the highway, what do you do? Uh, one more time, please. Fill up first. We know how to make sure that we don't go hungry and we go buy food. And I, I'm not very good at that. But we go buy groceries and put in our, in our food, in our cupboards, in our fridge to make sure that we don't get hungry. We know how to make provision ahead of life circumstances. How is it that as the body of Christ, we don't know how to make provision for ourselves before we head into adversity? Now, I'm speaking to you out of an experiential base here because the Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. When I say to this, return to your wall city, safe and secure, O hostages of hope. Some tr translation says, return to the stronghold of hope, you prisoners of hope. Now, um, come, come here, Shelly. Sophie. You, you, you. Okay, so this, I want you to think about this. I want you to struggle to get out here, right? Okay, can you struggle? Like, let's see how strong you are. <laughs> <laughs> Keep struggling. Okay, so what I want to do is help you see. You can sit down. Thank you, love. Is that, can you see what the stronghold of hope looks like? You get that. Return to the stronghold of hope that even your own thrashing doesn't work against you. Return to the stronghold of hope, you prisoner of hope. And look at what the Lord's promised to us. He says, and I announce to you that I will restore to you twice as much as what was taken from you. This is powerful. You need to get it. How does this relate to me and the fire that I went through? Losing my husband on the 24th of June, where within 45 minutes of him going into distress, he was gone, and my life was altered forever. When I was in the hospital, the Lord said to me, your times are in my hands. And I, when I heard that, that's what I began to see. My times are in your hands. I had nothing else to draw on except that immediate word that God had given me. My times are in your hands. I don't know what the future looks like, but this I know. My times are in your hands. And then he said to me that this present suffering is for a greater weight of glory. And I go, okay, this present suffering is for a greater weight of glory. I don't understand this season, Father. But this present suffering is for a greater weight of glory. In that moment, I had to make a choice to become a prisoner of hope. Are you hearing me, church? I want to say to you today, follow me as I follow Christ. You've watched my testimony. I didn't blame God once. I wasn't angry at the world. I didn't attack I reinforced, I dug deep, I returned to the prison of hope. 
And I fortified and strengthened myself in the Lord that I could keep making a difference in the world. Because as long as you're living and you've got air in your lungs, you have something to bring to the table of life. And if you're not doing that, church, you are not functioning in the fullness and the purpose that God has for you. That's first base. You're not going to be able to go into your fire unless this is resolved in your hearts, people. That it doesn't matter what comes my way. You, my times are in your hands. And that I am a prisoner of hope. I am a prisoner of hope. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. I'm a prisoner of hope. doesn't matter what I see. doesn't matter if I lose my job. It doesn't matter if my, if my uh, family's in crisis. My times are in your hands, and I'm a hostage of hope. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved by what I know. And what I know is this God who promised is faithful. Amen. So here's coming back to Daniel. Here's Daniel. Men doing the right thing. I've lived my life wanting to do the right thing. Serve, honor, love, be present, give. Give to till it hurts on every level. I was doing it right. I was walking with my husband in the kingdom, serving, looking to be more effective in our service to the Lord. And suddenly, he's gone. And I'm walking alone, walking with God by walking alone. I'm in the fire. I'm in the fire. But here's the powerful thing. When the king looked at them, three men, now four men in the fire. The only thing that the fire destroys is the things that bind you. The only thing that the fire destroys is the thing. Because the king says, didn't we throw, throw three men in there bound? How come there's four walking about unbound? So the fire is designed to burn off limitations, to burn off restrictions, to burn off mindsets, to burn off fears. Woo! You have got to get a different picture of the adversity. Because if you get a revelation of the victory, you'll be able to endure the battle. Now this, is, this, is the, this thing has been like exploding in me all last five months, like just exploding. And the satraps and the advisors, so the king says, call them out of the fire. And the satraps, administrators, governors, and kings, counselors gathered together, and they saw these men whose bodies the fire had no power over. Now this, I've been, in, I've been saved for like 40 years, and I've heard stories about your, smoke, your, your clothes not smelling like smoke, and you're coming out of the fire, and you don't even smell like you've been in the fire, and not a hair on their head was singed. But the revelation that began to explode in me was that the fire had no power over their bodies. Your fire is not designed to destroy you. Your fire has no power over your body. 
Your fire is designed to destroy every limitation and everything that will keep you earthbound and earthlocked so you can't see the purposes of God for your life. Even though we experience crisis in life, we don't have to live a life of crisis. This is, I'm, 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 I'm praying that as God aligns us with the word that he's been speaking to us as a body and how Pastor Jesse has been talking to us about just taking God at his word, submitting to his word, bringing thoughts captive, that we begin to design our lives after the plan of God, that we will not get caught up in the crisis of our lives. That, that living through crisis produces purpose. Amen. Me living through my fire caused me to release the book. Terry passed in June. God gave me the idea in September. On the 6th of December, the book was out. And now that's created a platform for me to go and talk to people like I am talking to you now. Yes. Calling us to rise and live and walk through our fires with purpose. Align yourself and move towards God who is an unchanging standard. Now the world around us might change, but God is that unchanging standard. He's that plumb line. If you drop that plumb line down, everything is going to align with that all the time because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now avoiding crisis will rob you of a quality of faith which is rich and dynamic and which leads to a powerful relationship in knowing God and living your purpose. If you avoid your crisis and you avoid your adversity, you're never going to find who you are in the fire. And then accepting crisis as a part of life is what allows you to tap into God's amazing grace. Whew his tender mercies, and his undying and perfecting love. And I found that in my life. You know, when the Bible says, return to me, become a strong, become a hostage of hope, and today I will restore to you double. I have seen an acceleration in my influence, both locally, nationally, and globally, that I don't know would have come without the fire. Do I miss Terry? Of course I miss Terry. But I would be in a very different place now if I was looking at God and being blaming him and went into the fire kicking and screaming. James says this, dear brothers, is your life full of difficulties and temptation, then be happy. Woo! Talk about an oxymoron. For when the way is rough, your patience has a chance to grow. So let it grow. And don't try and squirm out of your problems. For when your patience is finally in full bloom, then you will be ready for anything. Everybody say, ready for anything. Yes. Strong in character, full and complete. Thank you for the, the cheering. <laughs> but that's it. That's it. People understand this, that your abilities and your natural talents will get you to the top. But only character will keep you there. And if you don't have godly character, you'll get into places where your voice has the uh, 
authority and the power to make a difference, but you'll disqualify yourself because you don't have character. You've got to allow God to cause your character to come into full bloom. Because the Bible says that the whole earth is groaning for the mature sons of God to be made manifest. The whole earth is groaning. There's a groaning in the earth for mature believers to stand up and say, we don't understand the season. We don't understand why your loved one died or wh while there was a near-death experience at the school close by here. But we know this thing, that God is faithful, that he is with us. He's with us in the fire. He won't get us out of the fire, but he's with us in the fire. And if we can come shield to shield, shoulder to shoulder, we're going to come through this. We're going to come through this. He's looking for mature people. He'll say, I'm going to cry with you. I'm going to laugh with you, but I'm not going to take on your offense. I'm not going to choose sides. I'm on God's side. I'm on God's side. I'm on the side of love, and I'm on the side of truth. Whew, I'm so full, I can just stop right now. <laughs> Again, this is just another version in, in the message, vi uh, vi uh, ver <coughs> message version saying, let, let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed. Like, aren't you, aren't you in the kingdom of God just a little bit like not appreciating people that are underdeveloped, that get offended for every little thing, that are, are needing help all the time because they don't want to help themselves, that they, they get in the fire and they jump out of the fire and you see God processing them and they're like, this is too painful, I don't want it. I had to say to someone this past week, as a real, it was a, it was a clear a call, a clear call into their soul that they had to respond to something. And I said to them, if you love your pain more than you love relationship, then you're going to destroy everything of value around you. As believers, we have got to choose what we love more. Do we love God and his ways and we love his kingdom and we love his people and we have love his plan for mankind? Or do we love our pain and our self-absorption and what makes us feel comfortable in life? Because if that are the ingredients that you need for your faith to be successful, then you've got to rethink your faith. <coughs> Let patience have its perfect work in you. There's something that's happening in you when you are in the fire. Patience is not a passive resignation to adverse circumstances. It's not like saying, oh man, that bad thing happened to me, now I'm just going to sit here and, and wait to see what other bad thing is going to happen to me. Have you, have you been around people like that? Nothing I do is right. Everything bad's happening to me, so I'm just going to passively sit here and sing Kumbaya until Jesus comes. Patience is not passive res resignation to adverse circumstances, but it's a positive steadfastness that bravely endures. Now, there's a lot to be said about that picture, no? I know. It's a circle of life, Danielle. Whew, 
Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the work, uh, power that works in us. See, the, the fire is supposed to produce a power. The fire is to produce for uh, nothing that God does for us or to us or with us is ever without purpose. That the fire is to produce a, a, a power. Even when he allowed for the, e the Hebrew boys to be thrown into this fire that was seven times hotter, there was a greater purpose at hand. There was a greater purpose at hand. God took the first step to rescue us from this corrupt world. He has granted us his power, revealed to us true knowledge, and spoken to us great promises. He has done all of this for a reason, that we might participate in his own nature and reflect his own life. But we are not passive observers of God's saving actions. We must receive his grace, that force, that exertion power of his grace, grow in knowledge, and join him in the work of redemption. How cool is that? So let me finish off by showing you what happens here in the book of Daniel. And I should have brought glasses. I've been fighting it, but I ended up getting reading glasses. <laughs> Woo! So, so here, okay, let me just, let me just tell you what's it in, it's in, it's in, it's in Daniel. Take my word. Are they reading glasses? Holy smokes, my daughters are going to have a field day with this one. Oh, yeah, let there be light. <laughs> so verse 27 says this. Now I can't see you when I look up, but that's okay. <laughs> the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. Their hair and their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. Everyone say trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their, their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss about the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made as an ash heap because there's no other God who can deliver like this. Woo! That's powerful stuff. Here's, here's Chadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're saying, God, we'll serve, we'll, we'll serve the king as unto you. We'll do our very best. We'll be noted for our excellence. But we're not going to serve an idol because you've instructed us not to do that. Thrown in the fire, brought out of the fire. Fire has no power over them, but the king has a revelation now because he thought he was God. The king has a revelation now, and he says, no other God can deliver like your God. I'm going to say to you, church, we don't have to stand with bullhorns on corners. We don't have to take extreme measures to defend God's honor that way. We just have to be... We just need to strongly stand in our truth and our conviction. We go through our fire, and the kings are going to start calling us out of the fire. I can tell you that even in my association, BC Association of Clinical Counselors, they're, they're blown away that I was back to work two months later. The, the, the kings are saying, what is going on with you? How are you doing this? 
Come and tell us how to walk through adversity. What did you have before you went in the fire so that we know how to prepare to have more of what you had before you went into your fire because we want to come through the fire like you've come through your fire. I'm using this technique and strategies with corporations. Teaching them how to have a steadfast testimony about what they believe before they go through adversity. Now, the king says, no one delivers like you. And if anyone speaks against your God, I'm going to judge them. When you get a revelation of this church, you're not going to be wanting to judge Jehovah. He's powerful all by himself. Let the heathens turn and look at our testimony and say, what a great God you serve. All righty, moving right along. And here's the other power piece. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Takes them out of the province, out of the fire, into promotion. In a foreign country. Where there were slaves. There's something about the fire. God wants to increase your ability to influence. My fire has increased my ability to influence. I'm bridging the corporate world and the church. I'm bridging, bridging the clinical world and the church. I'm bridging marriages that are estranged to the church. Your fire qualifies you. If you've lost money and you've gone through the fire of bankruptcy, it's what qualifies you to come out. There's an expert of finances on the other side of it. People are waiting for your expertise. Many are waiting on the other side of your obedience. And I'm asking you, church, that you allow the Holy Spirit to, be to come and reframe the fire experience for you. Because instead of shrinking back from the fire, we want the Holy Spirit with tongues of fire. We want the navigation system of the desert. We want the cleansing fire. But there's something about the purifying and qualifying fire that's seven times hotter. And you actually feel like you're going to die. And I'm saying, hang in there. There were some mornings after Terry died that I couldn't even breathe. That it was just like, oh my God, it's, it's actually true. I couldn't even breathe. The fire was seven times hotter. But I'm telling you now, if you, if you stay in it and cooperate with the purposes of God, that pretty much everyone around you is going to say, wow. Didn't they go in there bound? They had the most awful attitude. They were so critical and judgmental. Nothing worked out for them. Their finances were in a mess. And now they come out on the other side and it's like, wow. Look at this, look at this gold. Look at this power. Look at this authority. Look at this authority that has come out on the other side of the fire. If your marriage is in crisis and God saved it, your expertise is needed in the kingdom. Because there's so many marriages in crisis. If you don't get a revelation of your fire, you're not going to understand your purpose on the other side of the fire. Your struggle, your battle, you, whether you've lost a child, a loved one went bankrupt, I don't care what your struggle is. I'm saying, determine who you are going to be before you get into the fire, if you're not in a fire yet. 
But if you're in a fire now, remember this, that the fire has no power over your body. You won't smell like smoke. You won't smell like smoke, but you'll come out with influence. Amen? Stand with me this morning. Woo! I'm about to take off here, people. <laughs> you know, there's, you, you, how many of you have been in a concert and you feel that aliveness of that atmosphere? There's something about when truth and revelation comes to you and the word of God comes to you. And if you receive it like that, it has the ability to move things out of your emotional systems, your mental systems, your cellular systems. It can shift you and bring healing. How many of you are in a fire right now? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I'm going to get the worship team up. I'm just going to let us worship for a bit, get us get a saturated, and then I'm going to pray for those who are in the fire. And then I'm going to pray for those who are yet to go through a fire. And we're going to make sure that your election is sure and stable, and that you're steadfast and unmovable in your faith. Yeah, the Bible says, make sure that your election is sure and stable. Don't go into life being unsure about what you believe. We take out insurance policies all the time. If I meet with an accident, there's going to be provision for it. If my house catches us on fire, there's going to be provision for it. If there's an accidental injury, I'm going to have some crisis intervention, there'll be provision for it. I'm saying to you in the spirit, you need to be taking out an insurance policy this morning about how you're going to make your election sure and stable. That whatever fire comes your way, and I can guarantee you this is not the only fire I'm going to be walking through in my lifetime. I know that already. I know there'll be other fires. Woo, but like David, I'm going to say, I killed a lion and I killed a bear. And who's this uncircumcised Philistine that now defies me? Because I know who I am in Christ. And I know what the fire produced in me. That I'm well able. That I'm well able and that I'm mighty in him for the pulling down of strongholds. The rest of the body of Christ, if, if um, someone around you is walking through the fire, you, you remember their hands. Just move in close to them and let's come into agreement. We're just going to pray right now. Father, we are so amazed at your goodness. We're so amazed at how you go into our future and you issue an invitation for us to join you there repeatedly. That you're constantly pulling us out of our lack into your abundance. That you're constantly pulling us out of our powerlessness into your powerfulness. We stand amazed at your goodness. And Father, this morning, I release a special grace on those who are walking through the fire right now whether it's in their bodies, whether it's in their finances, whether it's in their relationships. I ask for a keeping power, a keeping power, a keeping power, a stabilizing power, Lord. That you come on them just like you did with the Hebrew boys in the fire. And that you, they begin to sense your presence around them like that fourth man in the fire. And Father, I thank you that those who have 
maybe initiated them going into the fire, they'll be waiting on the other side saying, tell us about this great God that you serve. And they'll be able to understand that in the fire, all fear was removed, all doubt, all unbelief, all worry, all anxiety, all lack has been removed from their lives because they've come into the abundance that you've prepared for them. And that you're setting them up to influence, whether it's just their families at first, but then socially and eventually regionally, Lord, as they move into places of influence. We thank you that the trial is not without purpose. And we step into that grace this morning. We embrace it, Father, in a way that we may not have done before. Thank you for opening our eyes. Thank you for blessing us with revelation. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.